Blue Wire. Osweiler in trouble. Osweiler brought down Khalil Mack. Oh, here comes Bullshit. Griffin without a helmet. J.J. Watt will always put his fingerprints on a game. Steps up, and he's going to be hit from the side, and he's going down. That's a sack. Darius Leonard, the maniac. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the Trench Warfare Podcast. I'm your host, Brandon Thorne, and this podcast is presented by Blue Wire. I'm really happy about this episode that I'm about to bring you guys today. I have a special interview that we're going to be getting to here shortly with former Bears center Olin Krutz, and I think you're really going to enjoy that. He dished a lot of insight on playing center and offensive line. Uh, We had talks about old guys he played against and just uh, his preparation and uh, some keys to the success that he was able to have uh, and a a variety of other topics as well. So that is definitely something you're going to want to stay, stay for and listen to. But I wanted to start this off by going back a little bit to the Offensive Line Masterminds event that I got to go to uh, up in Frisco, Texas, put on by Lane Johnson and Duke Mannyweather. This is the second year that we've had it and that I've gotten to go there. Um, and it was just a tremendous, a tremendous event with uh, over 40 players, uh, current NFL, and actually a couple college guys this year, which was really cool. Um, so you know, I just wanted to share a little bit of uh, what I learned there and uh, kind of I have my notepads here opened up and I just kind of wanted to go through some of this because I thought it was really interesting and you know I, I think uh, you know first off there were some there were some commonalities there that all the players were really you know that talked about um, I think one of the key things was all the players really you know, stress the importance of having confidence in yourself for, I mean, they, they really say when you, when you have a, a, a really good rusher, like Aaron Donald or Von Miller or somebody like that on third down, it starts with your self-talk and, and what you're telling yourself and the confidence that you have in yourself. And then the ability to get over a bad rep quickly, if that does happen, but, but really the mindset, I, I think that was really uh, touched on a lot and sort of a common theme throughout from all the players uh, you know, of course, they talked about the more reps you can get at a certain technique that will generally bring consistency. So really practicing uh, diligently um, is extremely important. Uh, continuity in your routine. Uh, there was a, some guys there that don't re- that didn't really have a routine, which I thought was interesting to kind of go with the flow. Um, but for the most part, uh, the players were, were very um you know, they, they were serious about their routine and being uh, consistent with it. So they uh, prepared each week the same way with the same level of detail, with the same sort of uh, habits, you know, throughout the week, um, which, I, you know, I thought that was uh, definitely interesting. Um, and, you know, like we'll go into some specifics here. You know, I thought it was interesting. Uh, Shaq Mason was, was there, Patriots right guard. He, he actually mentioned, you know, coming into the NFL – He's improved each year pretty drastically, I think, uh, especially in pass protection. And uh, you have to consider the context there. I mean, he came out of Georgia Tech. He said that, you know, he basically had to reset what he did as a pass protector when he got to the NFL, really because he said he had 40 pass attempts in his first NFL game. And he said he had 40 pass attempts his entire senior year at Georgia Tech. So I thought that was pretty eye-opening. Um, but you know, he, he, uh, mentioned how he likes to take pieces from other players, 
which I thought was pretty cool uh, on film. So that was uh, that was definitely interesting. Um, let's see, you know, uh, Marshall Newhouse was there, and I thought it was cool how he mentioned he's been on seven teams in ten years, but to him, I mean, you know, and I think there's this is true. I mean, he he's continually been able to add value to to where he's gone, and that's what's allowed him to carve out the career that he has had. Um, it, it, you know, success in the NFL doesn't always look like, you know, you're on the same team for 10 years. That's, that's actually pretty rare. But if you can continually stay on with teams like he has been able to do, there's something about that, you know, that, that he's bringing to the team, to the locker room that that's invaluable. So I thought that was pretty cool. Um, and, uh, you know, so, so, some more specific things, um, you know, first touch. So a lot of guys mention this when they're talking about pass protection and getting the the first significant touch is really important when you're going against a pass rusher. Uh, Charles Leno mentioned this, Trent Brown mentioned this, and um, you know, it, it makes sense because you really want to dictate terms as an offensive lineman. You don't want to allow the defensive lineman to get that first touch on you and then sort of be in control from the jump. So, you know, for the most part that was talked about, but then you have a guy like Brandon Brooks, uh, the right guard for the Eagles, who's a, a really big dude, one of the bigger guards in the league, one of the stronger guards in the league. He sa- he says that uh, he likes to set back, and he wants guys to bull rush him. You know, he, he invites it. Uh, so not a lot of guys can do that, but, uh, you know, it's interesting the, the different dynamics there at play. Um, and, uh, you know, a couple other things that I thought were interesting. Um, Teron Armstead, you know, when he has a, a wide aligned defensive end or pass rusher he likes to try to turn every wide alignment into a tight five technique and he does that by being aggressive he's a very aggressive pass setter uh, and you know you really you could just see that on film but it was it was cool for him to kind of you know take us into his thought process there on and, and sort of his approach um, and he also mentioned how he grades himself like every game he'll review and he'll actually give grades to himself Teron will so he's he's a pro's pro for sure and just uh the the way that he approaches the game um you know I I thought that was that was pretty cool we I mean we talked about um let's see just I thought this was this is very important I've talked about this for years but it was cool to hear a guy like Lane Johnson talk about how important ankles are and ankle mobility is to play the position of offensive line and really in the line of scrimmage in general because so much of what you're doing is is predicated on leverage and being able to to bend and uh, pad level is really a function of ankle mobility and hip mobility that's really what it is people look at it as a skill which i mean i look at as 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 a physical ability and it stems from the ground up and that's kind of you know, when you see a guy play with really good pad level and he's low and he's generally the low man, I would say more often than not, he has really good mobility in his ankles, his knees and his hips. And, um, you know, Lane mentioned how he thinks that it's you know pretty overlooked, but man, keeping your ankles right and your knees is incredibly important for offensive linemen. And uh, we had a, a really cool presentation there from a really a renowned trainer um, talking about some of the things that they could do to improve that. Um, But yeah, I thought that that was a a really good kind of tidbit to take from the event for, you know, and for, and for guys listening who play the position uh, really focus on 
Um, you know, a, a guy that I would just throw out there to, to Google is Kelly Starrett, S-T-A-R-R-E-T-T. He runs a company called Mobility Wad out of California. He has a book that's incredible. Um, gosh, I have, the name escapes me right now, but uh, I'll definitely get it to you guys, and I'll put it up on my Twitter. Um, but, yeah, anyway, uh, Kelly Starrett, he's just a mobility master, basically. I mean, the, his knowledge of the human body is, is second to none. So you can Google him, go on his site. He has tons of YouTube videos, and he can really get your body right and moving at a high level. So just thought I'd throw that out there. But, um, but yeah, I mean, there's, there's you know, I have two notebooks here and, and uh, several pages of, of just really uh, invaluable stuff that I, that I learned from the event. Um, you know, and, and I'll go to, I'll go into it more in the ensuing episodes here. So, you know, definitely stay tuned and, and keep an eye out for those. But uh, I wanted to go into this interview now, because I think you guys are going to really enjoy this with Olin Kreutz. And um, yeah, be sure to, to check it out, listen to it, let me know what you think, and just subscribe, rate the podcast, all that stuff is really appreciated. When you're selling online, getting your orders out can be a real pain. That's why you need ShipStation.com. It's the fastest, easiest, and most affordable way to manage and ship your orders. No matter where you're selling, Amazon, Etsy, your own website, ShipStation brings all your orders into one simple interface. ShipStation helps get your orders out quickly, save money on shipping costs, and keep your customers happy. And right now, Blue Wire listeners can try ShipStation free for 60 days when you use the promo code BLUE. There's absolutely no risk. You can start your free trial without even entering your credit card info. ShipStation works with all the major carriers, including USPS, FedEx, UPS, even Amazon Fulfillment. So you can compare and choose the best shipping solution for you and your customer. No wonder ShipStation is the number one choice of online sellers. You'll ship more in less time with the best rates available. Just visit ShipStation.com, click on the microphone at the top of the homepage, and type in BLUE. That's ShipStation, then enter promo code BLUE. ShipStation.com, make ship happen. All right, everybody, I'm here with Olin Kreutz, a longtime center in the NFL. He played from 1998 to 2011. He was a third-round pick. He had 187 starts in the league. And he was extremely consistent over that period of time. He actually had 16 starts, 10 of his 14 years, including eight years in a row of 16 starts. And uh, I believe he has the second most starts in franchise history with the Chicago Bears next to Walter Payton. So, you know, not much more has to be said than that. But, uh, Olin, welcome to the show, and thanks for being here. I appreciate it, man. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. Yeah, so I wanted to kind of start if for people that don't know who didn't really get to see you play the game and just the way you played the game. I mean, uh, I think, you know, when you look back at, at your career and just one of the things that stands out to me is the fact that you played under 300 pounds um, in really a physical type of offense when the game was more physical as well. Defensive linemen, specifically nose tackles and things like that were bigger, stronger. Um, and I think you got by largely on how tough you were and really what competitive toughness and, and your physicality and things like that. Can you talk a little bit about that and, and sort of how you feel like you were able to not only just kind of overcome but really succeed, I guess, your quote-unquote lack of size during that era of football? Yeah, and it, it, it's interesting you say that because I always played on teams that seem to feature either 
power all, which is a back block against a big nose guard, a one-on-one back block or dual, which we have to displace the big nose guard out of there, right? And like you're saying, uh, most of these guys are well over 300 pounds. So uh, the way you get by is you, you got to figure out angles. Uh, you got to win with leverage. And I just, I always thought that strength uh, was a big part of what I needed to accomplish in the off season. And by that, I mean, working out hard with heavy weights and just trying to get my, always get my strength up. And I used to see that as like, almost like I, I even tell younger guys now, like you want to put on your armor, you know, you want to put on your, all your armor before the season starts. And by that, I mean, as much strength as you can possibly gain in the weight room is what you have to go after. And, and you're going to need that when you go against big guys. I was talking to a guy the other day and I said, you know, I've never heard a coach say, um, I put you on a bench because you're, you're just too strong, right? So it's something you can always work on. And, of course, understanding the game, understanding angles and leverage, and understanding how to beat the guy off of the snap and get, get inside of him before he even, before he even moves. So uh, those are all really big parts of my game. Yeah, so, you know, one of the things that you said there is just, you know, putting on that armor. W- would you say just a couple of those lifts that you did, was it just sort of the basics, like, you know, squat, clean? Was it, was it just basically those sort of compound movements that you worked on? So I trained a lot. At my, my grandfather had a gym under his house, and I, and I trained there my whole career, really. And it was we were a real old-school uh, powerlifting gym. So, you know, bench deadlift and squat was was kind of what we did and, and deadlift we should deadlift like we call it rack deadlift so it's right below your knee uh, we get heavy squats in uh, old school repetition method right whereas uh, 10 one week eight the next week six five the next week then three and three was your max out day and, and so we did a bunch of bench and heavy dumbbells and just really an old school style of training which uh, I think works really well my I don't have anything against the power clean. My, my one problem with the power clean is if you don't have someone in the room who has to, who knows how to teach it, it's hard to learn that skill. And I always thought with football, I had so many skills to learn. I didn't want to work on Olympic lifting, if you know what I mean. Yeah. No, yeah, I, I totally get that. Really sticking to the basics. And I think that's kind of, that, that's worked across time for, for football players is those really those lifts. So that's, that's cool to hear. Um, you know, and, and, uh, you mentioned some of those, you know, or, or you didn't say names, but just, you know, the fact that you played against these bigger, stronger defensive linemen and going back and looking in the era that you played really the, 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 the early to mid two thousands. And some of these names, I mean, are, are really impressive when you look back at it, not just the penetrating defensive tackles, but really the nose tackles like Ted Washington and Sam Adams, Casey Hampton, are any, do any of these guys for you stand out? Um, in terms of guys that you really had battles with or, or like some underrated names that you can throw out there? Yeah, and, and played against all those guys uh, you mentioned, and a guy who's underrated, and we had kind of a, uh, a rivalry going on, didn't really like each other. We played to play for the up there, the Vikings was Pat Williams. And Pat Williams was, uh, now that I'm retired, I can, I can honestly say uh, one of the best nose guards I ever went against. It's unbelievable the angle he could play you at and still make the play. So, uh, he had really good feet. He was really, you know, he was strong, had good hands, understood the game. And an interesting thing about Pat was uh, went to Buffalo, I think it was the year 2000. I think maybe it was 2000 or right, right in that early 2000s. And Ted Washington was the starting center. And Ted, if you ask me, um, 
probably the best nose guard, pure nose guard, zero nose guard to play, ever play the game. I mean, I'm sure people will, there's a lot of other arguments, but that guy uh, uh, was unbelievable in understanding games. And you'd have to look back at the stats, but I think there was a year where he compiled like 120 solo tackles as a zero nose out there in Buffalo. But so anyway, I go out to Buffalo and, you know, I'm thinking, okay, when Ted, when Ted gets a rest, at least I'll give Beto Bach to block the back of Moser and get some movement. Well, his backup in, in Buffalo was Pat Williams before he went to Minnesota. So that was a hell of a long game there. But, uh, you know, Casey Hampton, uh, uh, gosh, I, I, you know, I, was, I remember playing him at uh, Heinz Field and it was a quarterback sneak and he, he fired off and I swear my neck broke. But um, <laughs> this is really, like you're saying, I mean, these guys were big, strong, but you know what really separates the good ones is the ones who understand formation. Uh, they understand what plays coming at them. And Ted Washington, uh, he was one of those guys. And when Ted came here, uh, I think it was in the year 2000, we got him from Buffalo. Um, when I went against him, that really raised my game, going against him every day in practice. And Ted would help me on little different techniques. And when I got to the game on Sunday, it wasn't by accident that, that that was the first year I made the Pro Bowl because no one seemed like they were that hard to block anymore. Uh, once you went against Ted Washington and Keith Trailer and Brian Erlacher and Warwick Holman and Roosevelt Colvin and uh, that defense that, that Greg Blotch was lining up in those days uh, has you really ready for Sundays. Yeah, that's a really good point. I think that's underrated with even you know the Bears right now and, and the way they're constructed. I mean, I think that they probably play off each other, the O and the D lines there, because really, I mean, that defensive front now is, is really strong. So I think that's an underrated part. Just in general, you know, when guys get to practice against such high-caliber opponents like that every day, it kind of, I would imagine, makes Sundays a little bit more a little bit more easy. Um, yeah, but that's, that's really interesting. And, you know, I think another part of your game and, and centers in general who may be a little bit um, – you know, outsized by their opponent can win in the pre-snap phase, uh, you know, just using your mind and how, how quickly you can recognize things. And I know we spoke uh, last season uh, for an article I did called the quarterback of the offensive line. And that's really what the center position is. And you, you mentioned the, the high stakes window, that pre-snap phase and how much you enjoyed that. Can you just talk a little bit about how important that is for center and how the, the center position and, and, and get the guys playing it can use that to their advantage and manipulate defenses and, and really just get an edge? Yeah, it's, it's one of the biggest edges that, that I like to use when I played. And it is, it is a huge advantage if you, can, if you can recognize defense. I mean, say you're in the huddle and you know you're on a 50-yard line or, or you know, let's say the 40-yard line going in and you know it's second down, and you know you're in three wide receivers, right? And then you pretty much know in, your, in the huddle, okay, you know, on second down on the 40-yard line and three wide receivers, this is, you know, the defense is giving me one or two fronts. So if you can break it down to one or two fronts, now you know, okay, out of those one or two fronts, this guy in this position of field, this is the blitz he likes to run, right? Uh, the one or two blitzes he likes to run. So you line up, you look, and you say, okay, uh, here's this defense. You're looking for the blitz. You're looking for your three keys. I said, I always say, okay, if you can get three keys, uh, that's your 100% that that blitz is coming. So if you don't get those three keys, now you know it's just a normal front. Now, like say if you have a, a back block on a nose guard, uh, you know he has that A gap. 
I mean, you can just let it go and hit them under the chin and bring your legs as hard as you can, maybe even close your eyes and try to hit them as hard as you can instead of like, you know, like you've seen Sanders around a backlash. It almost looks like they're guessing. Is this guy coming across my face? Is this guy going to loop out? And, and that, that, that little false step right there against a 300-pound man, oh, you, you, are in, you are in trouble now. So uh, if you can use that 20 or 30 seconds and just say, okay, this is the exact defense. This is the exact technique I'm going to use against this guy. Uh, what an advantage for you. I remember one year we were playing the Miami Dolphins, and uh, Zach Thomas, he would move them to bear, right, uh, out of their four-man front, out of their four-three look. Uh, Dave Wansley then would always play a, a form of a bear front of old school 46. And I got a tip just from the Sam linebacker, the way he aligned. If he aligned just one foot outside the end hip, uh, I knew they were moving a bear because he was lazy. He didn't want to, like, line up in his normal position and run off the line of scrimmage. So as soon as I see him hip, uh, guess what I would yell, Brandon? Boom! <laughs> they would all move, right? And Zach Thomas was losing his mind out there, right? He's like, I'll wait for my car. He tells me after the game, he's like, Olin, how did you know when we're moving a bear? And I looked him in the face and I said, I tell you, but then I'd have to kill you. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. But, but, but think about, like, knowing when they're going to be a bear and when they're not. Like, for my calls, getting my guys on the right guys, and that's just film study, right? That's just getting advantage from somebody. And, and like, uh, you know, I was talking to somebody the other day, and I'm like, you know, you should look at, like, the D coordinators, like his history and where he learned from and, and, and how he's going to align in certain situations. And that'll just give you a huge advantage uh, uh, no matter who you're playing against. Yeah, so really the, the preparation before you ever even hit the field is really, I think, what you're talking about at this point. So really, I mean, it starts the week before, the you know, the, the days before the, even the game starts and film preparation and doing some of the research that you're talking about. And then that'll allow you to play at a higher level in that pre-snap phase. Oh, and, and, hell yeah, and, and think about this now. When, when, when in nine, from 98 to I don't know what year it was, I mean, damn it, I was watching Data at home. You know what I mean? Like, uh, rewinding with the old TV remotes and, and, you know, they didn't even have breakdowns like third down and uh, third and six, you know, seven to 10. Or, no, you got to go through the whole game with the old TV remote. I mean, I mean, I remember being to three 30 to four in the morning, but it was just that you knew that that preparation uh, would give you such an edge in the games you you go into play. Yeah. And that's interesting that you mentioned that old school way of watching film because I was at the uh, Offensive Line Masterminds event uh, just earlier this summer and uh, we had Ryan Jensen there, the center for the Bucks, And um, he was mentioning how, you know, a lot of the times some of these cut ups, while they are valuable and save you time, they can sort of lie to you a little bit. And he actually likes to watch full games from from start to finish just because he thinks he can get a better really like a more accurate idea of what a, a player is and what a defense is. And I thought that was interesting that he prefers, even with the advantages of the cutups, he still goes back and just watches full games and it kind of aligns with what you're saying. So that I thought that's yeah, and interesting. Ryan is, Ryan is fun to watch play, right? I mean, he gets after people, but in that sense of what he's saying, you get a feel for what the defensive quarter likes to call it. Like we were talking about like situations, right? Or, or the move the D lineman likes to use in certain situations. So uh, I, I totally get what he's trying to say there, just to to watch the game in its entirety to get a real feel for how these guys react to first down, second down, uh, certain times in the game, and all that kind of stuff. So 
uh, that is a very interesting comment and, and a reason why you can tell when you watch him on film that, that he understands the game of football. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, I, I think the next thing I wanted to bring up that I thought was interesting um, with center play is really what's going on in Chicago right now and sort of the transition that they're going through in moving Cody Whitehair over to guard and, and putting James Daniels in there. Um, I, I think that's probably a good move long term for both guys, especially for Daniels, because he really, I think, has a chance to be really, really special at that position. Um, he played it at Iowa. And uh, but just, you know, with with Mitch Trubisky there and, and sort of a young quarterback mixed with a young center. Um, how do you think that relationship is going to best play out? I mean, like what? What do you think is the key there for, for them to really get on the same page? Because I think, you know, ideally you'd rather have one of those two positions be the veteran so they can kind of maybe help the other one along. But with both of them sort of being young, is more of the the the, the credit and reliance going to be on the offensive coordinator? How, how do you think that's all going to play out and, and the keys to that working well? I, I can't agree with you more as far as James Daniels. And when you, when you watch him on film and, uh, last year, even at left guard, and I've been to a few of the Bears practices, and uh, I make no secret about how close me and Harry Heastan are, and uh, a really good friend of mine. And just when you watch James play, I mean, the first thing you see is his physical at- physical attributes and his mental approach to the game, and you think, man, this kid can be really special, right? And somebody asked me about moving Cody White here, and, and I said, look, Cody's a very good center. I said, but James has a chance maybe – to be either the best or one of the best in the NFL at that position. So when a guy shows that, that kind of special attributes, like you're saying, and you watch a ton of film too, Brandon, but like you're saying, I mean, you can't keep him out of that position, right? No matter his age or not, you've got to put him there and let him try to become the best center in the NFL. And as far as the, the relationship goes, uh, look, Cody is playing left guard right next to him uh, uh, to help out if there's any calls he needs help with. But uh, I think James can handle it. I think Mitch Mitch is in his third year. Uh, I think he can handle some of the calls. But, look, Kirk Ferentz, who's a well-respected offensive line guy, said that this guy, and this is huge praise, right, is the smartest and the best center naturally he he thinks he's ever coached. And when someone like that says that, it makes you open your eyes. Yeah, and take a good look at what he's talking about here. But I think, like, there's some guys who are just naturals at certain positions. I think James is one of those guys, and you have to play him there. Yeah, for sure. It's it's going to be a lot of fun to watch uh, how that plays out, and I think the Bears have a, a chance to have a, a really good offensive line this year, so that's that's going to be uh, really fun to watch. But, but yeah, Olin, uh, thank you for your time. I don't want to take too much more of it at all, and I, I appreciate you uh, you know taking the time out of your day to do this, and I think everyone's going to get a lot of insight into the position and uh, just football in general, so I appreciate it. Appreciate it, brother. Thanks for having me.